Good morning. Yes, this video is going to be posted in the morning. Welcome to the Metapod podcast. The Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. We've been recording at just different times mm -hmm. as of late because, you know, I have a full-time job now and Sean is a busy, busy bee mm -hmm. and it's just crazy. Now we're recording. Well, you know what? I won't tell you when we're recording today, but just know... <laughs> that we're here to have a great time sean how was your last week uh it was good it was eventful but it was good it was good i have uh you know not not in the pokemon sphere sphere but i have some some things some exciting things that are eventually going to be happening that is all i can say i but... just want a gif of you doing that motion that whole like swaying yeah i just want a gif of you doing that and it's like <laughs> I don't know, like brush off the haters or like we could make a meme out of that. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> you could I mean we could go grab the clip from this video, Jake. We could do that. We could um, easily do that while editing this. Yeah, I had a very a very uh, eventful last week, so it was good. Um but I also was excited that Salt Lake City happened. Obviously, all of you listening have got to expect that's what we're gonna talk about today. Which well, those of you that follow of the competitive scene. Yes, that's true. That's true. Eventually, we will get back to some non-competitive Pokemon stuff. But, like, you know, the first two regionals in a row, two years, in two years. It's been, like, gotta. two years since we can gotta. really talk about, like, the competitive right. scene. So, Sean yeah. and I are definitely going to be jumping on that, along with some news that has come up some sort of announcement and even teasers mm -hmm. of announcements. So, don't go anywhere listen to the whole pod but sean you know i i'm remembering it this week you i'm are. gonna remember it this week we have the wonderful reviews from our listeners now if you're leaving a review whether that's on spotify you can't really leave reviews you can only leave ratings apple you can leave both youtube you can't really do either but you can do youtube comments and we're going to be right. reading a youtube comment today from Bryce Johnson on last week's video. So just wanted to uh, give a give a little bit of love to the official Metapod YouTube channel. Just type in Metapod, look for I, our logo, boom. I easy. will say, Jake, I'm just looking at the number of subscribers right now. I'm please subscribe to the channel. I don't want it doesn't need to stay this way, but 69 subscribers. Nice. Anyways, this is a nice comment as well. Just got into the show and I love it. it. Makes me laugh, keeps me informed, and most of all, it's educating me on the TCG. I've been a lifelong Pokemon fan, but I'm new to the trading card game. And the Metapod is really filling in those gaps. Thanks and keep on going. Also, you both have great radio voices. I mean, I I think that I think it's a compliment, but because it's radio voices, but like the phrase you have a face for radio is also a fun phrase. I don't know if everybody out there has heard that phrase before, but good. See, uh, for the Metapod lore, when we like retire and, you know, we mm -hmm. make our lore books and sell them like on the public stand to Barnes and Noble's number <laughs> one bestseller. Um, I was actually a part of radio for a long time for probably like four, four years. Okay. I was like running... I was running radio shows. Were you a and DJ? Were you like throwing down I, the Yes, hits? technically. Not like that kind of DJ. It, well, yes. Like I have, <laughs> I, I would do like the welcome to WAZY, you know, all I that stuff. I don't have the sound effects like that. 
actually would never like do those sound effects no. because I worked at like a smooth and classical jazz oh. station. Oh. So like, oh. you know, my my uh, my average listening age was like seventy five year old white man. I so, mean, like, but I like, don't think they would be into the whole like DJ scratch. Okay, fair. I mean, you didn't get like close up to the mic and be like, "This week on smooth jazz." Like I will kinda... say, I have never been able to replicate it. I, I might be able to, like, dig it up somewhere. I don't know. Uh -huh. But I had a voice when I did, the like, those shows because it was smooth jazz. Like, I used to take a voice acting class. Mm. So, like, I had this, like, special voice that I would only use. And I've never been able to replicate it. I don't know why, because I've just never been in the studio with the mic in front of me doing, like, a spot for smooth and classical jazz. I've never been able to replicate it. Well, my mother could tell you all about it, though, probably because she used to listen to every shift. Well, I, I can only imagine what your voice class was like. I, I also I mean, we're getting a little off topic here, but I also because we're I, really getting into the I, war books I, I went right to school now for acting. we jump into the regional. <laughs> so I did I did voice acting stuff, too, and I had to learn the international phonetic alphabet as well. Some See, IPA. I didn't know that. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, it was a mess. Anyways, anyways, Jake. You know what else was a mess, John? I mean, no, no, what was a mess? Trying to schedule what you're going to be doing for the 2022 World Championships. Oh, yes. But, Sean, you might have gotten a little bit of clarity this past week if you were following on things like Twitter and blog posts because although we've talked about the Pokemon 2022 World Championships going on in London in August. Well, it's officially been announced. So usually around this time, the last couple of years, Pokemon has canceled the World Championships, you know, because of the worldwide pandemic, COVID-19, all that jazz. You've heard it before. But now instead of canceling, they're officially going through with it. Pokemon announced the official dates for the World Championships, August 18th through the 21st. It's going to be featuring, Sean, the trading card game, which is what we yeah. and probably most of our listeners are interested in. But if you like watching all of the championships, like I personally do, I, I like watching all the different championships, even if I don't know everything going on, you can watch Pokemon Sword and Shield, the video games as well, the competition, the Pokemon Tournament DX game, that kind of like... Tekken fighting is not yeah. really Tekken. I mean, it's the it's it's a fighting game. Yeah, it yeah. is that fighting game. It's that fighting yeah. game. Pokemon Unite and Pokemon Go as well. So that's one, two, three, four, five pillars now, Sean. Yeah, at the World Championships. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I know a lot of people out there probably also play Unite, love Unite. So that's a big, big announcement for the Unite community that they will also be a part of Worlds this year. So that that's cool. Very, very cool. We have the Pokey Beach article pulled up right now. The venue is the XL London Event Center, which has previously hosted international championships for Europe. Now, I have never been there. I don't know if Sean, Sean, have you been there and just not told me? Nope. I mean, I've been to London, but I've not been to the XL London. Yeah, so we have not been there, so we can't really tell you all about what the venue is like and, and stuff like that, or even what worlds is going to be like from a logistics standpoint but we do know that if you do qualify for the championships you do get the amount of points to mm -hmm. qualify whether you're masters uh 
seniors, juniors. You will not have to pay an entry fee, but there will be a nominal fee for spectator badges. So there will be more information coming soon about cost availability of said badges. Yeah, you I look will like say you're going to say something. Yeah, I will say the spectator badges, uh, Jake, because I did go to Worlds in DC, which was the last time they held Worlds. Um, and look, I think the majority of listeners are probably people who are not going to have the requisite points to qualify for Worlds, myself included. Probably going to be me. Right. <laughs> but if you want to go to like a big event, right, and like also get a trip into London, especially for the American listeners, if you're not, you know, from London or England, you know, it's kind of exciting. It's a lot of fun. I went to DC. You get to hang out, like try to go with a couple of other friends. So you have people that you know that'll be there. But there's a ton of side events that you can play in. You can watch, you know, the regionals. The, the, they'll be having, there's like a whole seating area where you can watch the games that are going to be on stream. Um, there's a Pokemon Center store where you can get like exclusive Worlds merch. It's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun when I went to Worlds and I wasn't competing in it. And usually they also have like a side mini regional. So they had like the DC open the last time. I'm guessing that will probably be something similar for all the people who didn't qualify but want to participate or or drop from day one. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say, I think usually the the open, yep. the event in the open is usually the second day. Yeah. So and it's a bunch of people who like either dropped during day one or as you were saying like didn't qualify right because xander yeah. Perro, i believe won the dc open yeah at least yeah. one of them so yeah i mean like and it's also a good thing if you're like if you want to try to go for worlds the following year the dc open you know will count i think as like maybe a special event a number of points maybe i don't know that for sure but you are going to sure, face but... high level yes. opponents and you're going to get a really good feeling of what it's like to compete at, like, an actual regional and whatnot. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I would recommend, like, even if you don't qualify, of all the events, if you're not participating in the official event to go to, Worlds is the best one, probably. It's just a ton Especially of fun. if, like, you know, money and time isn't, like, yeah. a issue, yes. you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, if you have the option to go to all of these events, but you can only choose one, Worlds, always. Yeah. Just, just... It's going to be insane. It's going yeah. to be really, really cool. The, I will say the, uh, the just buzz, like we weren't there obviously at the Salt Lake city regional, but you could feel like the energy, like it was literally palpable, especially through the casters and like mm -hmm. being able to hear a little bit of background noise during the event and just the engagement of the players throughout all the rounds is really, really cool. So I can only imagine it would be like that as well for Worlds. And also, if you want, if you're interested in going to Worlds, whether playing or doing like side events and stuff, uh, being a spectator, they do have information on the COVID-19 policy that you do need to mm -hmm. follow because I did see some tweeters <laughs> of, uh, complaining about how they couldn't play because they weren't vaccinated or whatever. And I'm like... I have no, I have no like sympathy. I mean, yeah, sympathy? yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying. I mean, it's like everybody's had plenty of time. If you want to enjoy the wonderful, um, you know, uh, events like this in the world that you don't have to do, like the fun activities of the world, vaccinations are probably going to be a requirement for a, for a little bit. So. Mm -mm. 
yeah no 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 sympathies <laughs> i will say too in terms of the side events i don't know if worlds is going to have this but salt lake city regionals mm-hmm. which we won't get into like uh this side events standings and whatnot but they did host a pretty like sizable glc tournament gym leader challenge mm-hmm. tournament as a side event i That's believe cool. it was on day two so yeah. if you dropped out of day one you could go compete in it and I know a lot of people did, and I know a lot of people were excited about that. And I would assume, because it's had pretty decent turnout, yeah. that they're going to do it for the bigger, like, more regionals, especially the uh, North American ones. And then um, the World Championships as well, they'll probably have one. So, Jake, that probably means we should, uh, uh, leading up to another regional or world, we should probably talk about GLC at some point. I know we've never done it on we, the pod. We've like briefly, briefly talked about GLC, and but we the could... thing is, it's it, there's just not like a ton of events. Like really, like yeah, most of what there is in GLC, I think it's an exciting format. I love yeah. watching it, but the only time I really can see it and and or talk about it is like when full grip host yeah. the event and so it's like i uh, mean it has about as many events as expanded so <laughs> yeah it's just is, it's just not popular enough it's popular yeah, it is and it's growing in popularity yes but it's just like oh man but maybe uh i don't know maybe we can host a little online glc i don't know we'll we'll figure it out but um but Jake, we're, we're busy people. We got a lot of things. We got a lot of things to talk about as well, yes. including the recent Salt Lake City Regional. So, Sean, this was the second weekend in a row that we had a major event this time going into the North American region. This was the first time in two years that we've had an event in North America. And whew, man, it was exciting. It was just so cool to watch. It was so cool to see all these players. And let me tell you, Sean. Uh-huh. The uh the standings are spicy. I think that this was the perfect example to showcase to listeners, to our audience, about how a meta can shift from one week. And it doesn't necessarily reject tier one, tier two, things like that, but it really just tells you about meta calls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so what I've got pulled up on the screen for Jake and the, and the viewers, I have a um, day two breakdown. So this isn't the standings. This is simply what decks converted from day one to day two, like their archetypes, breaks it down by percentages. Um, and yeah, like a huge swath of this circle is just Mew VMAX. So at 40... You guessed it. Yeah, I mean, 43% of all the decks that made day two or Mew VMAX of the 74, it's 32 of them. Um, but, and it is weird because it is broken up very distinctly, which makes sense from like a understanding each deck's perspective. But it would look like Arceus didn't do so well. But in reality, 25 of the other, like, you know, the rest of the decks are Arceus decks. It's just variations like Arceus Inteleon, Moltres, Gengar. So of the available whatever. 42 decks, yes. you know, if you count out Mew, 25 of the 42 are Arceus archetypes. Exactly, exactly. So really, it was a pretty heavy split between Mew VMAX, which is like a singular, you know, deck that is pretty solved, I would say. And then Arceus VSTAR, which it's like, pick your partner, right? And then outside of that, 
Jake, what are the other decks that feel like they snuck into this uh, top, this day two? We'll say a couple decks that maybe not a lot of people were super expecting, including myself, is just a ton of Gengar. Not yeah. only were there five Gengars that made day two in terms of Gengar Houndoom, but there were also several iterations of Arceus Gengar that made it into day two. We're going to be going over a list of one of those here later in the podcast, but it's always good to see Rapid Strike Malamar do well as well. I know uh, Brisbane, mm -hmm. there wasn't uh, too much of my favorite deck. Well, I, man, I, it's hard to tell if it's my favorite or not because we're gonna go over the deck that got ninth place, which it, it might be my favorite deck. <laughs> but anyways, it's always good to see single prizers do well in the tournament. Unfortunately, not making top eight and making it into that final bracket but still doing well and still placing a couple inside the top 32 sean what is your uh what would you say your your favorite deck out of all those are that made day two made day two um i mean it's hard i don't really have a it's weird i don't have a favorite because i like I, I really like rcsv star um yeah mostly because it forces you to make good decisions, right? The cards that you get out of your V-Star ability. Um, if you're running the version that has the Inteleon engine, it's even more decision-making you have to do. It also puts you in the driver's seat in a lot of ways, right? Like, if, like, hey, if I can, like, call it, uh, what's the phrase? If I can sequence these things correctly yes then like i can find outs to any situation which is why i like decks like that versus you know mu genesect that's not to say that it's not a sequencing game as well but mu genesect is a bit more blind sequencing meaning like the genesects are just drawing they're blind draws and you're not getting cards directly out of the deck that you might need or want so you don't really have as many one-off tech cards in a mu vmax deck that you can put into some of these other decks that you could just go grab, right? Like, you know, we'll talk about this, but like the, the deck that won played two Hyper Potions, right? Like you can, yeah. you can play a one of Choice Belt if you're running certain engines. You can play a one of Collapse Stadium or Tool Scrapper or whatever, right? Tool Scrapper, a card that Jake and I for forever now have been like, is a good card. You should probably run one of it. These decks can take advantage of that. So that's, I think, the style of play that I am enjoying is, you know, really skill-based play. And I think the finals especially was like a, also just a good example of that. Two decks that, that you know, lean into skill-based play and it was just a lot of fun to watch. And not only skill-based play, but also like, intensive deck building mm -hmm. i think is another good point like i think both the decks that placed first and second had some interesting points of deck building that through their testing and through their groups that they did constant constant games with they decided you know like this one thing was better than the other and they tried out different ideas concepts that we as players, majority of people didn't really think about it and didn't really consider 
as options. So we're going to get into those soon. But Sean, yep. let's jump into the top eight. Let's look at some of the lists for the top eight first. Then we'll look at some of the other spicy ones in the top 32. Now, unfortunately, we do not have the exact deck list for the winning list, Drew Kennett, or the person who I should say originally got eighth place. So there was a uh, situation in top eight where there was a, um, I don't know the details, but somebody had told me damaged cards or marked cards. Ah, interesting. So unfortunate because when you get into top eight you have to go through like a deck search mm -hmm. you know and you can go the whole event you know up to that point and not have a random deck search yeah. or or and when i say deck search i mean judges yeah going over like pulling up your list looking at your deck making sure you know you're playing all the right cards you know you, none of them are marked or damaged or whatever you know just just trying to keep the game fair um so that person was I wanted to say executed, but that's not the right word. They were expelled <laughs> or disqualified. disqualified. That's the word. <laughs> Ooh, these Pokemon events are getting heated, Sean. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, we've got – do you want to talk about – because we, we don't have the list for the first place, but I feel like we should start with Drew, and we can we have talk a pretty about good, Yeah. We have a pretty good idea of what is in this list. So yeah. one of the big things about – Andrew Kennett's list the I believe this is his second regional that he's yes, won it is. as a player he was playing in Teleon or I'm sorry Arceus VMAX V-Star oh my gosh I can't yeah. I can't speak right now I I can't remember words I'm getting my archetypes and mumbo jumbo Arceus V-Star Gengar VMAX yes Whew. Uh, somebody, Third time the charm. I will say, I'll give a quick little shout out. I don't know who it was on Facebook, but I did say, can we just call it Gengarcius? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that's actually kind of a cute name. And it's better than Arceus Gengar. Like, all the different Arceus archetypes need to have their own names at some point. So I like Gengarcius. And this list was playing kind of a split between the Arceus and I believe a 3-2 Gengar line. Something that, like that. There was only two Gengar VMAX though. That Yeah, I believe because... it was a I believe it was a three two. But anyways, a lot of what this list was doing, so you may be familiar with Gengar VMAXs, and we're gonna go over one of those lists later in like Gabriel Smart and Zachary Cooper, is that they were not playing Andrew Kennett was not playing special energies. Just playing basic nope, energies. Was there was playing, not. He was. He had or, double I mean, turbo. they were playing. When I say special oh, energies, I'm strike. talking about the single strike energies. Yes, yes. They were not playing any single strike energies. They were just playing. I think they were maybe playing like one or two hiding energies. I think two, hmm. um, is what I saw. But they were playing a bunch, a majority of basic dark energies, which is not something that we've really seen in Gengar lists and. Uh, except for like the beginning when Azul made like Gengar and Teleon when Gengar first popped up mm -hmm. in popularity in the online scene. But either way, very interesting because if there's something that you'll note is there was like little to no Duraludon VMAX at mm. all in the event. So just the all the all these like Inteleon Gengars, these players, the Mew players as well, because Mew we saw in Brisbane can beat. Duraludon VMAX 
just whooping on there and so the basic energies very very good because you can accelerate those onto the gengar through rcs v stars uh trinity nova yes is the correct. attack yes trinity nova the one that does 200 damage and accelerates three energies anywhere you'd like but also one of the things that are in this list you may know that rcs decks are starting to play a card sharon's care sean do you know sharon's care off the top of your head yes i do you can pick up one of your colorless pokemon and all cards attached to it and put it into your hand if it's damaged if it's, it's damaged, like yes. acerola but yeah. only it's like acerola but only for normal pokemon so especially when you talk about um arceus intellion list that we're going to talk about we'll even show one later today a lot of them have a copy at least of sharon's care but Andrew Kennedy was talking about this in some of his interviews leading up to his win. He was talking about how he didn't like Sharon's care in the deck. It felt hmm. awkward. It felt like a lot of times that he could have used it. He, or I should say a lot of times that he had it, he couldn't use it because the Pokemon that was damaged on the field was Gengar. Yeah. Gengar being a dark type Pokemon could not, be be healed through sharon's care or could be not picked up because it's a dark type pokemon so what he opted to do instead is a card that you will definitely have to pull out of your bulk we were talking a little bit about it earlier you may not even remember what set it is but it is hyper potion he instead included i think two copies of hyper potion which if you do not know what a hyper I mean. potion actually does because it's been a while sword and shield base set and champion's path is are the sets that it is currently in right now heal 120 damage from one of your pokemon that has at least two energy attached if you healed any damage in this way discard two energies from it now you may be thinking sean wait that's interesting because if gengar has like three energies or two energies because they're playing the basic dark energies mm -hmm. you have no acceleration with houndoom how like how do you continuously strain attacks you know and let me tell you sean the big brain play this is reading your cards and understanding the interactions you can actually combo hyper potion with double turbo energy mm -hmm. and that's what gabe or i'm sorry not gabe that's what andrew, andrew kennedy yeah. would do he would attach the double colorless double turbo energy onto the gengar and because the hyper potion reads you discard at least two or you discard two energy double turbo specifically says that it counts as two energy so you can discard yep. that one card and boom you can keep swinging away with that gengar v max what he pulled it off, I believe, in top four, and in I my mind just exploded I mean, when I watched it. It was so ex I've never been so excited to see 120 damage healed. I mean, he also um, healed 120 in the final round. Um, yeah, in the finals, he was in a situation where the math was not in his favor in terms of damage, but because of RCS V Star's ability to power anything up, right, with it with its attack. You could just add some extra energy onto it for later. It gets if it and if it doesn't get knocked out on the attack, 
you just heal that 120, take a knockout yourself, and put yourself out of range of a of the crackback effectively, right? Like you just basically are like, and then it really messes with your opponent. Your opponent is not expecting healing from a lot of these decks, right? A Sharon's care. not expecting hyper potion of all the healing right. options, right? Like, and and like, don't get me wrong. Like Sharon's care is more healing technically, but you also are removing the body from the field, which is removing an attacker, which is removing something that has any energy on it for the following turn. Whereas Hyper Potion, you get to keep it on the field. Now, it depends on the matchup. 120 may not matter in, in some matchups because like, if you have like 250 damage on, you heal 120, but your opponent is going to do another 250 damage and you can't knock it out. Yeah, sure. It's kind of pointless. But like, you know, there are some interesting situations in which like, you know, in the finals match, we did see the... Um, Shady Dealings and Teleon getting powered up to do 120, 20 snipe to the bench, right? And sometimes that little 20 damage can either knock you out or set it up. And then a hyper potion is all that's really needed to like thwart those, you know, long game plans. It was very interesting because in terms of stadiums, I think this is the first time that we've really seen this in Gengar list, but they were playing multiple copies of Collapse Stadium. Now, I don't know if they were playing four or three. I think it was at least three. Again, we don't yeah. have the deck list per se because Drew hasn't posted it. But just from the games that we were able to watch as Drew was moving on to the finals, we have a pretty good idea of what the list is. But Collapse Stadium, if you do not remember, it's the same stadium as what like Duraludon, Arceus mm -hmm. was playing where... Your both sides are limited to only four benched Pokemon. So I think what Drew was using this for originally, or the idea of putting this in the deck, is using it against lots of the Inteleon builds that you see, whether that's like Rapid Strike Malamar, mm -hmm. um, just Arceus Inteleon, any of those iterations, and also Mew VMAX. Yep. But it ended up working for him in the finals uh, because he played against Suicune, which does more damage the more bench Pokemon there are. So just a good addition overall. It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these other uh, decks that don't instantly fill their bench mm -hmm. also start playing more and more collapse stadiums. We see more and more collapse stadiums in the list, but... I mean, it's a weird... I think it's just a call of the kind of deck you want to play, right? To your point... If you're playing anything that runs the Inteleon line, Collapse Stadium makes almost no sense. Um, you might play it. Like, to be frank, Collapse Stadium is another card in which if you've got two attackers set up, but one of them has damage, it can act like a, <laughs> an Acerola or Sharon's Care, kind of. You could just yeah. discard the one that has all the damage on it. Now, it goes away. Everything goes away. You don't get it back in your hand. So it's like, ah, you know, might be doing more harm than good, but... For the most part, I think, yeah, the decks that are going to want it are non-Inteleon, non-Suicune decks. And non-Mew, VMAX, because Mew is going to want to fill their bench with Genesex. So, uh, I think the ones that are playing it make sense. You've got the Duraludon, you've got the Gengar, uh, and Arceus deck. Anything that Arceus is pairing with that's just big body, big body, big damage, that's, that's basically the other route to go with Arceus. Yeah, they'll probably start playing two or three of them now, at least. It's very interesting, and it was very exciting to watch the list because I don't think really 
I don't think many people at all expected this final. No. I mean, we were talking about Gengar a bit, a little bit after Brisbane, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think anybody had brought up the idea of those two archetypes together and really like hammering down that list. Like that was kind of the first time I've seen a list like that. Yeah, I mean, to go back quickly to like the difference between the day two cut and top mm -hmm. 32, right? 74 people made day two, 43% of those were Mu VMAX. So you think to yourself, oh, wow, like Mu VMAX has got to be best deck, right? It's going to win the tournament, etc. But if you actually look at top 32, there's only what, five Mu VMAXs? Uh, one, two, three, yeah, four, five. Five Mu VMAXs in top 32, which is not bad. Don't get me wrong. As an archetype, five of the top 32, it's like almost one out of, it's basically one out of eight. That's pretty good. But none in the top eight. <clears throat> and there's actually six Gengar VMAX decks uh, of various types in that top 32. So I think what you ended up seeing is, yes, and this is for anybody going into a big tournament, a deck like Mew VMAX is just generically good. It is a great deck, and when you are up against a field of 600 players for day one, where you could get paired against anything, any wide array of decks, it's probably a great day one call. But then you get into day two and the funnel narrows. And then what you are left with is all of the best players who have probably built decks that are coming after Mew VMAX in some form, right? They have some, some sort of a positive matchup against Mew VMAX mostly. Because if you're not doing that, then, you know, whatever. Why, why, you probably aren't making it to the day two. Um, and so, yeah, and then you're up against a whole field, not of random things, but of counters, especially things like Gengar, and then your deck just sort of falls off. And I'll be interested to see if Mew VMAX continues to have this pattern, if you will, in like the next few sets of regionals before, before Astral Radiance, I should say, because that is going to change Mew VMAX's standing uh, significantly, but um until then I, I don't know I, I suspect we'll see a little bit more of this that's not to say it can't win a regional you can always have a good run but this i think is indicative of like when a meta is really focused at you and this is how irl events are really going to go in my opinion and this is why it was really exciting because in online events you know they're not they're not as serious we'll get to the fact of the matter like there's there's probably not as much testing there's that's not to diminish online events that's just the nature of how it is but what i will say is that the meta usually doesn't sway as heavily mm -hmm. i guess i should say because again you know we talk about mu as target on back so many people were going against it you look at that top six yeah. and you know there are five Five of the top six yeah. are dark decks yeah, or decks that have dark type Pokemon attackers. So just again, just an overall good meta call is what I will say. Now, Mew is still tier one. Mew is still like S tier, in my opinion. Still a really good deck. As Sean said, you know, you're probably going to get through day one, at least if you just want to get some points. But, you know, when you start getting to the top that's when things really get tough and that's when the best players come out it doesn't just matter what your deck is and so mm -hmm. this was really really cool to see gengar win but sean let's start talking about 
the other decks yes. that were inside. Speaking of a deck that we haven't really probably talked about since Evolving Skies like meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably. Suicune Ludicolo, Sean. Yeah. So this deck Suicune here Ludi got Say second. It again. I was going to say this deck here got second for those wondering. So there was a big debate on like Twitter about how like, oh, does Suicune actually beat Mew VMAX? Because a lot of people wrote have written off Suicune since the Fusion Strike set came out because Mew just absolutely dominated. But there were some people on uh, on Twitter discussing, you know, you know, Suicune may have a good like matchup if played correctly in terms of the um, the cards that you place in here and well let us just say that this list piloted by none other than daniel lynch or finnegan lynch i believe a lot of people call him piloted an excellent excellent suicune list that we're going to talk about so you've got you know your suicune and teleon ludicolo sean this is the typical package mm -hmm. that we've seen throughout all the iterations of Suicune during the time. But one thing that I really, really want to mention, cross switchers. Yes. Jake, Sean, you want to go? Oh, yeah. Cross switchers, an interesting card. If you don't remember what cross switchers is, you may have heard us talk about it with the release of Fusion Strike, but it hasn't really seen any play for the most part until probably right now it's going to start seeing a lot more play now that this regional is over you have to play two cross switchers at once mm -hmm. sean in order to get this effect switch one of your opponent's bench pokemon with their active pokemon if you do switch your active pokemon with one of your bench pokemon so it's like guzma except you've got to play both cross switchers at the same time and also you have to fulfill the bench switch i know a lot of times with guzma you could do Guzma to only switch your opponent's side or only switch your side. But with this, you have to do both. And I remember hearing Finnegan in an interview when after he won the top four match, I believe it was talking about his idea of cross switchers in the list. And he talked about how, especially with Suicune V, your Pokemon is going to get knocked out a majority of the time. Um, you're probably going to lose a Pokemon just about every single turn. So you're trying to string attackers. It's very rare that you could like have a turn and be able to use boss because you're going to have to Melanie yeah. or Rihon during your turns. So they opted to get rid of the bosses in the list. And I think a couple other cards, but I can't remember exactly what they had said. Maybe it was like Ultra Ball. Yeah, because they only I play one copy. Yeah, there's only one Ultra Ball. And there's three Evolution Incense, so opting for not discarding cards from their hand effectively. Yes, and deciding to put you know just four Cross Switchers in. It's better than playing three, mm -hmm. because well, Sean, <laughs> you got to play them both at the same time. This isn't like Custom <laughs> yeah. Catchers where you can have a secondary effect of just playing one. But decided to play four Cross Switchers, and it boded well for him in a couple of his different stream matches that we were able to watch. You know, the idea of using shady dealings, especially, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's the Drizzle or the Inteleon, you know, to grab one or both 
of the cross switchers at a certain point because you know you may have melanie in your hand you may have raihan in your hand but you really want to bring up and finish off that damaged arceus that damaged gengar any of those pokemon or even just take a quick knockout of a pokemon that is gearing up to be able to swing like a arceus v or a gengar v or things like that so you just use shading dealings to go find your cross switchers it's easy it's insane you can even find other combo pieces like rare candy echoing horn sean yeah. we're starting to see echoing horns again putting yeah. pokemon back on the bench including plays of echoing horn cross switcher yeah yeah i mean i this is one of those things where I, we were talking about like you can play one ofs or you can play things like cross switcher in this deck because yeah, your point of, like, you don't have the ability to play a boss. There was, You have to assume that your Suicune is probably getting knocked out every time, uh, which is great for Raihan. Raihan terrible, because this deck doesn't really have any other energy acceleration. You need two to do anything in this deck. So um, lot of, a lot of fun. You get a lot of draw in this deck, too, because Melanie draws you three cards. Fleet-Footed will draw you a card once per turn if it's in the active, so... But yeah, you can play an Echoing Horn at one of, a Choice Belt at a one of, a Cape at a one of, um, and yeah, you can even play the Scoop Up Net Package. I'm a little surprised, Jake, that this one doesn't run any copies of the Quick Shooting Inteleon. Now, mm -hmm. <clears throat> that may simply be a consistency choice, um, because there are there were turns where I thought to myself, oh, like you know, I didn't know the list while I was watching the uh, finals match. But where I thought to myself, oh, if he has a quick shooting, he could do X. He could put those two damage counters, you know, like, obviously he didn't need it. Get, getting to the top tables like that, like, the deck works. Uh, so that was just a surprise for me, not saying that. Um, I will I say... I think the idea of not having quick shooting in, like, especially the Mew matchup, because mm -hmm. I think that was probably a lot of what uh, Finnegan was thinking about, the Mew matchup specifically, when building this list... I feel like the math didn't necessarily matter too much because either both benches were completely full, right? If both benches are full, which Mew often does yep. and uh, you often do as well, you're not going to need Ludicolo and you're going to be doing 200 damage. So knocking out a Genesect V, a Mew V, right? And then also with Ludicolo, you're going to be hitting those numbers to one shot the v max the v stars as well so i think the idea is that you didn't really need That's quick fair. shooting like it was better to just use shady dealings to find the pieces like rare candy like cross switcher you know yeah. to be able to pull off these combos um because you're either going to be two shotting something or you're going to be one shotting something and yeah. you didn't usually probably need some extra math now i didn't know if Finnegan really thought about Gengar <laughs> as much, which is a little bit yeah. more weird on the math as we saw in the finals, but still an excellent yeah. showing. No, that's that's a very good point, Jake. Like, because the math, you're right, the math doesn't matter. And it's only when you're up against decks that have things like Collapse Stadium that it starts to get a little dicey. So, I don't know. I don't think you're going to see... I actually will be interested to see how many people in other events, whether it's online, in person, start running more of the Arceus archetypes that run collapsed stadiums. And then, yeah, maybe the Suicune deck needs to 
find other ways to just do like that extra couple of damage here and there to take those knockouts. But really interesting list. Um, if you want, if you find yourself, if you want to think of yourself as big brain, Suicune is always a good list to play because yeah, there's a lot of choices you have to make. There's some good sequencing effects. Um, you can play several of the one-ofs and, and give yourself the opportunity to feel smart. Like I went and got the thing that I needed when I needed it. So good And deck. Jolteon as well. I mean, we're going to yeah. talk about Jolteon lists a little bit later, but especially within the last couple months or even since, uh, since Mew has really come out since, um, what's that last set we just had? Brilliant Stars yep. has come out with Arceus. It's been a little uh, tough for Jolteon, so... Suicune, just prime time to come out. Uh, so, you mean, speaking of that, Jake, do you want to mm -hmm. transition now? Because I think we kind of know, like, there's the Gengar, there's the Suicune. You have Gengar, Houndoom, and you have the other... We've talked about a yeah. lot of these lists, you know. But, Jake... I will say shout-out yes. to the uh, the old testing group of, like, um, I think Rahul was in there, um, Bradner, Xander... Um, playing like a copy of Sydney, mm. uh, I think Rahul quoted their t their like groups list as a crime against humanity. So uh, it's a pretty, I don't want to say standard, but it's a it's a list that we've kind of seen before the RCS Intellion, but it has a couple different cheeky things like Galarian Zigzagoon. Sean, we have. Mm -hmm. uh, we love Galarian Zigzagoon in RCS decks on this cast, but Sydney as well. Just a card nobody really expected to see. So <laughs> a big brain. It worked out for a lot of them. I think all six of them in their group made day or no, all six got points. And then I think four of the six made day two. One of them, Xander Pero, making top eight. So pretty good <laughs> list. I think Bradner as well got like 13. Or something along those lines. He was, he was very high up the list. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, but Sean, let's talk about my favorite deck that I saw in this. I have talked about how I just love Arceus Flygon. How it, the B drill as well, just very, very cool in the list. But one iteration that Charlie Lockyer posted over on Twitter. A special edition. I believe Tate Whitesell was also playing this. I don't know. A lot of people were calling this uh, Desert Storm because okay. it includes a 2-1 line of Sandaconda VMAX. Yeah. Sean, <laughs> do you even know what Sandaconda VMAX does? No. What does this do? I will say Sandaconda VMAX is something as well that I don't really know off the top of my head what it, what it does, but it's a 320 HP fighting Pokemon. It has the attack first, one fighting energy, 60 base damage, Sand Pulse. Spreads 20 damage to each of your opponent's bench Pokemon. So pretty good, like, kind of spread option, I will say. But mm -hmm. I think what it's mostly used for especially against all the Arceus archetypes. G Max Cyclone, the second attack for fighting, fighting colorless for 180 damage. Move any amount of energy from your Pokemon to your other Pokemon in any way you'd like. So because of Arceus V-Star or even Arceus V, 
accelerating energies onto various Pokemon on the field, whether that's Flygon or mm -hmm. Sandaconda or wherever, another Arceus, you can use Sandaconda VMAX to move those energies once again after you attack and knock out, um, you know, whether that's a Jolteon VMAX, a Arceus VMAX, Gengar yeah. VMAX as well. All these Pokemon in the meta, all these Pokemon, these top lists, weak to fighting. So, Sean, this was an exciting inclusion in it. And yeah. just, man, I already loved the list because it played Flygon, a card that I wrote off originally, but now it plays Sandaconda, another card that I wrote off. <laughs> I will say he's also running the full art with the radiator in the foreground in the list. So we, me and Jake talked about how ridiculous this full art was because half the art is a literal radiator. So, uh, but you know, a, a man of culture. Uh, running that version of the card also also i will say probably a top list that um that played multiple luminions yeah I think this is kind of the too. first list that we've gone over that's played two luminion v's luminion if you do not know is the support pokemon 170 hp uh water pokemon that has the ability when you put it from your hand to your bench you go grab a supporter yep. out of your deck similar to tapu lele gx <laughs> we've talked about it a couple times on this pod but very very cool for raihan yeah single strike mustard playing three copies of those you know getting the the b drills out and such but just a super cool list sean i think if I play in an event, it's either going to be Malamar or, or this list, this deck right here. This did go um, 10, 2 and 2. Charlie, unfortunately, out of all the 10, 2 and 2s had the worst resistance. So uh, couldn't make top eight, but just an overall insane deck, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, I guess another deck that we can talk about getting 12th. Uh, let's see this list here. It is, oh, Rapid Strike Malamar, Jake's favorite. So get, well, I see now with this, uh, Flygon Sandaconda, I don't I mean, know ooh, if it's my okay. favorite. Like, like my favorite has been rapidly changing, but <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about Gabe Shumway's Rapid Strike, in, uh, Rapid Strike Malamar list that he piloted over at Salt Lake City. So, a lot of this is generally the same. This is the trend that we've started seeing recently mm -hmm. with the addition of Cynthia's ambition, ambition moving towards the Inteleon line mm -hmm. of this list. You know, Shady Dealings just being really, really good. Again, playing four copies of Brawly, Sean. Brawly being a Rapid Strike supporter, it's actually really, really good. It's actually my, I prefer this over the Chinchino build mm -hmm. because Brawly searches your deck for three basic Rapid Strike Pokemon and puts them on the bench. So turn two, especially yes. this deck is very okay with going second because it's only comprised of uh, single prize Pokemon. The game is inherently going to be long, um, at least if your opponent wants to win. <laughs> but you have two options now of filling your bench with your rapid strike pokemon because all of your basic pokemon are rapid strike you either have the brawly of your supporter per, for the turn 
or you have Sobble. Remember that Rapid Strike Sobble that we're seeing in all these Inteleon decks has the Call for Family, which mm -hmm. allows you to grab three Basic. Rapid Strike Pokemon. So very, very frequently, you can have a filled bench after your you know second turn going first yeah in the game and allowing you to really accelerate through this game i will say this list specifically sean is playing boss's orders there's well, a copy of boss's orders in there one a singular but i mean it's nice it's nice to have a single copy because you never know maybe uh you're not doing enough to knock something out and you need to just bring it up to to close out a game right take that last three prizes i think mm -hmm. it makes sense to put a single copy in and you can search it out with your drizzles with your shady dealings it's fine you know i think i've said this on the pod just with boss's orders you know it's it's hard to actually get it mm -hmm. because well not hard to get it specifically because you're playing shady dealings but hard to get it and use it in the turn that you want because like I mean, a lot of times you're using Cynthia's ambition, you mm -hmm. know, to be able to just draw cards in order to set up your board in order to continuously get, you know, rapid strike cards to be able to power up Malamar's attack. But with sacrificing, honestly, that's what we can say, sacrificing an Inteleon, because a lot of lists are playing three different Inteleons, the combination of Shady Dealings and Quick Shooting, going down to just two realizing more often than not that they were just able to scoop up net their way out of shady dealings and continuously using it and decided you know what to put a boss's order in because i've said this before the biggest problem with rapid strike malamar is you know just missing the knockout mm -hmm. and then your opponent retreating and not being able to do anything about it and yeah. being able to just ko that pokemon so really cool addition in the list also has tower of waters in there sean which is cool i think a lot of people were putting a three two line of the remoraid octillery in list and so going down to two two which i think is still pretty good you know that's in most of the chinchino builds of this deck and putting in a tower of waters mm -hmm. stadiums are good especially i don't know if this was hindsight maybe uh <laughs> maybe gabe uh knew that there were going to be a lot of collapsed stadium in uh in yeah. the regional so just bumping the stadium is generally good sean yeah i mean stadiums aren't so absurd right now like they were like maybe in previous metas but it's always nice to have one Chaotic of your swell. own yeah yeah <laughs> like it's always nice to have one of your own though because if something gets stuck like a collapse stadium or or even like you know in weird matchups like those crystal caves that can like reduce damage or you know it can be really annoying for these single prize decks that are really fixated on numbers and on math, whether it's having a certain thing, number of things on the bench or doing it, having any way to interact with their stadium. Cause otherwise you're just basically telling your opponent, Hey, this type of card in your deck, your stadium, it's free. You get it. You just get it forever. And like, you know, making them find more cards is always a good strategy. So even a one of is, is better than nothing. Um, and there is also a lot of situations where you don't even want to play your Tower of Waters, mm -hmm. right? So Path to the Peak, for instance. A lot of these kind of Arceus decks are playing Path to the Peak to shut down their opponent's Starbirth or ability to draw cards, find supporters, etc., etc. Um, especially Mew decks. 
but so like you don't play any uh, two prize pokemon so pats of the peak means nothing to you so you just use tower of waters as an extra rapid strike card mm -hmm. but also one thing that we did notice in uh gabe's matches that we did get to see on stream training court sean training court a very good card to hit the field if uh, your opponent throws that down for malamar vmax because that also means you will probably never use a spiral energy for attacking you can consistently use it for um just attacking in terms of using your rapid strike tentacles mm -hmm. attack on malamar constantly being able to recycle the same psychic type energy throughout <laughs> the game because you know you're only doing one attachment for turn and if you're constantly bringing up the next inke the next malamar boom there's your attachment basically guaranteed every turn with uh with the uh training cord that's yep. in place so you can focus your fog crystals more on getting your inkes to power up your attack or to string the next inke attackers so just a really really cool interaction that we saw um that i don't think probably like a lot of the top players knew about obviously gabe knew about it prior but maybe a lot of the people like me you know was like whoa that's that's broken <laughs> uh i think one other deck that we wanted to talk about which this one it surprised me a little bit but i think it's not a surprise if you look back and you realize that nobody was playing the bench snipe reduction what the manaphy like mm -hmm. rapid strike malamar not bothering with manaphy suicune ludicolo not bothering with manaphy because i think everybody just was like you know rapid strike urshifu is dead Nobody's playing any sort of bench snipe type stuff. And then all of a sudden, a Jolteon list. So I'm, I'm looking at Appa AG's list right now. Jolteon is like, hey, if you're not going to play Manaphy, then I'm just going to be out here. You know, it's free real estate, right? It's just free real estate for Jolteon. So it was, I think, very exciting to see that. Obviously, weak to fighting. So any of the Arceus decks that had fighting counters could be tough. But um, outside of that, you have like, you know, I think pretty decent matchups with anything that's going to overbench. I think Mew is a decent matchup for mm -hmm. Jolteon as well, because again, you know, Mew not necessarily having a lot of healing for cards like their Genesect and stuff. You can either KO a Meloetta, yep. right, with a single attack, or you can two shot Genesects, which are very, very good. I will say this is not the uh, eighth place list of. Andre Chieson, I couldn't find that list, but Appa making uh, six and three overall with this list, getting points as well. Yeah. So we can assume that this is pretty much what on Andre was playing. I don't even think we saw it on stream. So hmm. only uh, Andre and his opponents <laughs> we'll know, know exactly <laughs> what the list is, but we will. This is kind of like. I would say the old classic lists yeah. of Jolteon. So not really anything new. The only like real addition in this deck is the one of Ultra Ball. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah, pretty straightforward. I mean, I, I think the list is pretty cool. Uh, the fact that you can utilize Cheryl's also pretty broken because if you can't get O-Code, right? Like Mew VMAX is effectively... Yeah, I guess we could Ludicolo could also Oko you if you don't manage your own bench, but 
if you've got a Jolteon out and you're doing some big damage and you're getting rid of their bench, then like that's kind of how you counter that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a fun list and it was a great it was a great meta call I think if you're like I really like bent like like spread damage right, mm -hmm. and you are deciding hey I'm looking at what everybody's probably gonna play, none of it includes Manaphy. Why is anybody worried about spread damage? So yeah, this is a fun deck to play. It's gonna be something different that your opponent may not have prepared for ahead of time too in terms of testing. So mm -hmm. yeah, really fun. Uh, alternate option there i will say it didn't come out of the blue completely okay. because okay. i well well i will say probably not a lot of people were ready for it but if you listen to other pokemon podcasts out there for instance lake of rage their episode preparing for the salt lake regionals i believe uh pedro and uh, who was the other guest that they had? Oh, gosh, I'm blanking on it. It's been, a, it's been like a week since I've listened to it. But they mentioned how Jolteon had like a pretty decent position in Salt Lake City to do well. And it just wasn't piloted by a lot of people, in my opinion. So very awesome hindsight for Appa and Andre to play this and get points over at the regional Again, just a cool list to be able to see, Sean. Yeah. Um, I think... Hopefully within, hopefully within the next couple of days, we'll see more and more yeah. lists pop up because we don't have... we Again, we only really showed you kind of the list that we could find throughout Limitless only having, you know, six of the seven awesome. at the time of this recording list so make sure to check back i'm sure more people will talk about it more content creators will make youtube videos of these lists because a lot of these people kind of know these top level players so you'll be able to see that but sean before we end this hmm. podcast pokemon trading card game online may be coming to an end sean we're gonna put our tin foil hats on Okay. For a little bit of uh, for a little bit of theory time and a little bit of speculating, there was a tweet that came out last week from Trainer Chip and also a tweet from Celios Network about how there's an official date for Ladder to End on the Pokemon Trading Card Game Live app. If you do not know, mostly with ladders and battle passes and stuff, there are seasons you know, of their battle pass of whatever, you know, have jumping up to, you know, the Masters League or Arceus League or whatever have you. And then as the season ends, you drop back down and got to work your way back up, kind of like a reset button. So, Sean, a lot of people speculating about maybe this is the global release coming soon and also celios network if you didn't see yeah. posted on twitter a forum post that was put in ptcg live news update this was on march 16th by tpci curse soup which is an, an administrator in the forums just wanted to pop in and let you know what's going on our side the uh the Bolton V-Box and Battle Academy won't be available for code redemptions in game. You'll still be able to redeem them in TCGO, blah, 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 if you haven't migrated. But next week, be on the lookout for some exciting news and updates about what's going on in the Pokemon TCG Live. So, unfortunately, Sean, 
we're probably really early to the game and the news hasn't been announced yet hopefully yeah. they don't do it on a tuesday morning right <laughs> after we release the pod as pokemon usually does hopefully they wait till like i don't know thursday friday mm-hmm. type of thing but sean what do you speculate knowing that the ladder is ending soon the ladder ends uh so it was march 17th is about seven days so that is uh thursday around like the march 24th i believe is yeah. when the ladder is going to end what do you think this big news that we're going to get is i mean I, I know everybody is speculating the official launch of ptcg live globally um which it could be it could be um i'm trying to think of how that that aligns with the timing uh I don't think they would launch the client live officially until after all team challenge qualifiers have finished. Because what mm-hmm. they don't want to happen is for all these people who like want to play in the team challenge to like transfer their account, not realizing they can't transfer it back. And all of a sudden, all these stores now don't have anybody to play. Yes, you because know? reminder, the team challenge is only being run yes. on the Pokemon trading card game online. You cannot compete in the team challenge if you have migrated your account over to live so so that that's where i'm kind of like i don't know what the exact timing is for where the last qualifiers for team challenge would land maybe it's in this window maybe they'll like maybe they'll announce a global release date at the beginning of april and then at that point all the qualifiers are done but if you qualified they'll say in the note like don't switch your account because you know, you'll have to play on PTCGO for like all of those events. Um, but I, I don't know. For me, it's almost like if I'm the Pokemon company, the simplest way to do to do this is just wait for the team challenge to be done so that you don't have any people who are competing accidentally screwing things up. Because to be frank, I mean, people will be excited. They'll join. They'll forget. Whatever. In my opinion, the way that they've marketed and kind of handled the team challenge, I I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if those people at the top were just like team challenge, never heard of her like <laughs> type of deal. Yeah, but I don't know. I what I think it could actually be is the card pool expanding. Mm. So maybe, so going from Lost Thunder, I believe, is the latest yeah. set and maybe going back and that would maybe now include all of the card pool that currently exists in PTCGO that's playable. And now all of a sudden the expanded ladder comes out as well. Like I could see that being the exciting news as they try to work through working out all the different bugs and interact card interactions and all that in the new client before they release it globally. Like I could see that um, as my prediction. What about you, Jake? That's very interesting about expanding the card pool because I don't think I've really heard anybody present that idea, that theory. Um, and I think that's actually way more plausible than what I'm about to say. Okay, yes, go for Honestly, it. Honestly, I was thinking that maybe it could, uh, not trying to piggyback yeah. or, I mean, avoiding a piggyback from you. I think that it's going to be like a public beta. Mm-hmm. I think maybe instead of just in Canada, they could release it to everybody. You know, it's it's just a beta, right? It's not the official big release, but I don't know. Just they put Top Deck Academy on live, which felt really 
like weird because nobody else can, except can for Canada it. can play on live. It's just like yeah. so I feel like a public beta is coming out very, very soon. You know, they just re- released the first episode of Top Deck Academy. They're still working out the bugs. They're still working okay. out the kinks, all that stuff. So I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, maybe an open beta to anybody. I like I, I do like your rationale about Top Deck Academy though because yeah Pokemon they like to coordinate their marketing, and so it is weird if they're using a client and trying to teach people how to play the game, and it's a client that the vast majority of viewers can't access. That's it. It does feel weird, especially because it was like there was a point in the in day two mm-hmm. where they showcased top deck academy right they showed the top deck academy episode which is real good it's very well done it's on live though and then like right after that they brought it to the casters and they did this segment called the the deep deck dive Mm -hmm. which i think is really really good they they like show an archetype whether that's from brisbane regionals or whatever and they talk about the different cards that are included in this archetype generally and it's really really cool again very very cool um but it was on ptcgo Hmm. they didn't they didn't have live so you have two different clients and so like they were flip-flopping clients in the middle of this and it's just like it felt really weird to me like come on like nobody like i understand if you know but nobody at that place had like access to a live account or you had the ability to I don't know, pop a VPN or whatever and just hop on live for the deep deck dive segment. Like I will say though, maybe one of the things is so like on live, one of the kind of, I don't, I don't want to say gripe because this is more geared towards like content creators and stuff. Sure. It is harder to showcase a yes. deck list on live in comparison to TCGO in my yeah. personal opinion, because yeah. T TCG live, it's just like, parts of the deck in in like the corner you can't really showcase like the whole deck at one time whereas on ptcgo the client we currently have access to you can showcase the whole thing right so yeah it's an interesting like choice but it it still feels weird that it's on two different clients like i understand why they did it um but it was just weird i will say one gripe that i had with the regional this Mm. weekend is that you may have seen me complain about this on twitter and sean knows where i'm going with this they didn't start streaming the regional until round four on day one and they didn't start streaming the um the second day until like round 12 so like (sighs) Both days we missed like three rounds of action. Just no stream, no nothing. And like, especially day one, they started it when lunch break started. So, so the, we just sat there for like 40 minutes on the like starting soon screen. And it was just like, <laughs> like, I get it. Like manpower, right? Like, I mean, you, it's, it's a Pokemon a company. It's the like manpower a, is not an issue. It's the Pokemon well, company. Well, it's like a 14-hour day, right? And yeah. so, like, if you don't have a bunch of people, because I'm not going to act like, yeah. you know, the Pokemon trading card game is this huge, especially the competitive side. They probably have a very small team. 
you know, in comparison to the entire Pokemon company as a whole. Sure. But like I'm seeing car trooper games in like grassroots tournaments start from round one and end on round zero. And they usually only have one set of casters or one person mm. running the computer. I believe at card trooper, um, uh, is his name Wayne's games, James Wayne. I don't know. I I'm, I'm blanking on his name cause I didn't research it before this pod, but the person that casts card trooper, the main caster, he also runs the stream. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty much like a one man production in that aspect. And he'll do the entire thing, you know, in one day. So it's like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I there, I have no idea. I don't know. I if, understand why they didn't do it, but like as a spectator and as a viewer, yeah. like, I it's mean, just, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's like it's like joining any sporting event after the first quarter, right? Yeah, like, like who who goes to the basketball game like in the third quarter? Like, yeah. honestly, like you show up at the beginning of the game more often than not. Or you're just hanging out at the bars in the first quarter or whatever. I don't know, like getting food. But like you're probably watching the whole game. If anything, you leave early, right? Yeah. I mean, this is one where like I just, to your point, I don't know. There are weird rules. I don't know if any of the casters are technically a part of SAG-AFTRA, right? I don't even know what that which is. Are, which are like the Screen Actors Guild and the, the film union. Like basically, are they unionized uh, as performers? Because the Pokemon company, big company, might have, uh, might you know, be required if they are employing people that are in the guilds, to only be, you know, working them a certain number of hours. So there could be weird stuff like that that you just, as a viewer, you just no idea. Whereas Card Trooper doesn't have to worry about any of that, right? To your point, it's a one-man show. It's just they don't have any of the same regulations. Mm-hmm. It's. I would also be not surprised if that's not the case, and there's just other random reasons. But like. I don't know. That could be a reason. Could be some weird regulation reason of like we can only use the sound d- dudes or, or whatever before we have to like go into like overtime stuff for like eight hours or ten hours or whatever. So I, who knows? Probably a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we just don't know about because we don't work on the Pokemon Company. But <laughs> what I will say is Chip had a beautiful Metapod pin. He did for some of it. He started out with Caterpie, yes. then went to Metapod, and then moved up to Butterfree for top eight. So, but there was still a time where was he was the he had the best drip out of all the <laughs> casters. Uh, I will also compliment Jeremy's nails. I loved his mm-hmm. nails during the event. Um, but also uh, Scarzig, Scarzig. I think it was their first time doing like a big Pokemon event, and very very beautiful casting i will say from scarzig so i hope we see them again in another regional but overall it was pretty cool sean yes yes indeed um but jake jake next week we're gonna talk about probably not regionals i don't think there's another regional so we're not talking about regionals next week no probably i think i'm not gonna lie it'll be nice to take a quick little break but uh yeah i think uh i think that'll do it for this week jake that is going to be all for the Metapod podcast, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. Hopefully you come back. That would be cool if you come back to listen to us. And we hope you have a great week next week. 